Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today's episode continues on the theme of buyer enablement. Kristen Zhivago joins the program to share her perspective on how to leverage your customer's mindset to grow your business. Kristen is the president of Zhivago Partners. She is also a revenue coach, digital marketing expert, and author of Roadmap to Revenue. And she just published a new guide on our topic today, Mindset-Driven Marketing. At the core of the discussion is really understanding from your customer's perspective why, and in some cases, what they are buying from you. She has been testing this approach with current customers with amazing results. She even has one customer in the travel industry that is growing during this pandemic. I think you'll find the approach intuitive and relatively straightforward, but yet very few B2B companies actually approach growth this way. If you are a startup, this could be an incredible competitive advantage for you as you go to market. We also have a shared passion on how to fix the broken relationship between sales and marketing and why they cannot be isolated. As a reminder, if you listen and enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite platform and share it with your friends and colleagues that also might enjoy it. Thanks for listening, and now, on to the interview. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, it's, it's great to have you joining us from the East Coast, where summer's finally arrived, right? Safe to say? Yeah. Yeah, safe to say. Okay, very good. To get us started, why don't you just tell us in the audience a little bit about you know yourself, your firm, what you guys are working on, who you work with before we uh, get into the topic today. Yeah, I've been a revenue coach for some decades now. Started out in Silicon Valley. My husband and I owned and operated a high-tech ad agency PR house for, I guess, about 12 years. And then the Mac came out. This is early 90s. And I looked at my husband and said, you may as well retire because they're going to take all the work in-house. And so we just, he did. He was 52 at the time. I just started reinventing myself and figuring out how to help people market in-house. And I ended up doing a lot of marketing and sales turnarounds. I'd go in and, you know, fix marketing and sales departments worked for big companies, did a lot of work for IBM for about 12 years, wrote all of the instructions for their marketing people and went worldwide really? giving them, you know, copywriting advice and that kind of thing. And then around 2014, I partnered with a guy who was actually had been a client and we opened up a digital agency. And the reason I got back into that is I just felt like people were, especially established business owners were like deer in the headlights when it came to digital marketing. And, you know, I just thought here they built this successful business and now they're really suffering. They don't know what to do. So started an agency, worked with him for a couple of years and then set off on my own this July of 2017. And that's Chicago Partners and we're a virtual company, of course. We've got an infrastructure team, because I'm totally convinced that processes are how you keep your promises or one of the ways you keep your promises. And uh, that was the first group of people that I hired. And then we have specialists in a variety of areas, all the digital channels, plus, you know, copywriters and designers and developers and that kind of thing. And it's working out really well. We're very happy. It's a really nice, I, one of my goals is to make our company a safe place for nice people to work. 
I love it. Yeah, there needs to be more of that. And, you know, I, I 100% agree with the, the change to digital. And I still think the vast majority of companies struggle with this, right? It's why I need to do Google ads or buy Facebook ads. And, you know, I love that you start with, you know, the pro the processes, how do you keep your promises? I, I love that that's slogan. I'll give you full credit when I use it. But, you know, it's so true that a lot of companies just don't pay attention to it. So, so you're coming up through your anniversary here before too long. And yep. are, are you working across the board, B2B, B2C, small, mid-sized companies? Where's kind of your sweet spot? Yeah, you just explained what we do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. B2C, B2B, although I will say that having worked with engineers and developers for so many decades, it's just in my blood. When we do go out and market, we tend to market to that group. Got I it. love engineers. I married one. I just, you know, I just love people who make things. So, and they, and they are often the ones that are struggling the most. So. No, that is so true. And yeah, because they're process driven, they like step-by-step step and then yep. try to incorporate it and it, we're a company and, like And you. marketing doesn't make sense to them. I mean, there's a lot of people running around who are really creative and not engineering thinking they don't have that kind of process approach and it drives engineers absolutely up the wall <laughs> yeah which which is i mean i would say it's a good combination it drives them up the wall but the fact is they think about their product they know they've got a product that works and i think what we'll get into is traditional what we would think of as old school traditional marketing just doesn't work anymore nope and definitely one of the things that piqued my interest with you is what you've been writing on and i know working with your clients is more of that mindset driven marketing and, you know, that's really what I wanted to get into today was I think there's so much value and there's not, a much, not enough people talking about it. So, you know, maybe before we dive deep into it, kind of just giving us an overview of what kind of led you down this path. And then we'll, we'll dive into, you know, one, what is it and, and, and how should we be thinking about it in our businesses? Yeah, I, I wrote a book a few years ago called Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy. And that I was actually one of the first people to identify that to characterize the selling process as a buying process. So it's not really about us selling anything. It's about the customer going through a process of buying and they have certain concerns and desires and questions. And we need to satisfy those while they're on their buying journey. We can't force them into our journey. They won't go. They don't care. Right. They want to buy something and they, they have very specific questions. So the whole book is about dissecting the buying process, looking at the amount of scrutiny that they put into the process. There are light, medium, heavy, and intense scrutiny products and services. And if you understand where your product and service is, you're a lot better off. And I teach people in the book how to interview their customers, their current customers who will be open and willing to talk. When you're selling to somebody, they don't want to talk to you. They're, they're playing poker. They're negotiating. They are not going to tell you what they're thinking. But after they buy, they've got a vested interest in your product or service, and they want you to succeed. And they'll be happy to reveal what their thought process was. So I've been kind of working on that road for a long time and uh, people are still hesitant to talk to their customers for some yeah. reason which is frustrating and so i just kept working on that working on that and then i realized i guess about six months ago that it's not the persona and it's not the channel and everybody's been focusing on who the people are which is the persona 
and where they're gathering, which is the channels. But if the message is wrong, none of that's going to work. And I realized it's the mindset of the buyer. It's what's going on in their mind. It's the things they're looking for that they absolutely have to have and the things that don't matter as much. And what companies assume, by the way, about that is completely different <laughs> than what the customer is thinking. I've been doing interviews of customers for decades and I've interviewed thousands of customers now for hundreds of companies. And the list is always different. What the customer actually wants, what matters to them and what the company thinks they want. So everybody's been assuming and then going out and with the wrong message and, and doing these personas, which doesn't really matter. An 80 year old person will buy the same appliance as an 18 year old person and maybe even for the same reasons. So you have to understand their mindset. And the other thing that's come very clear to me recently is the personas don't take into account the moment, the timing. A, a persona can be a person who might be in the market for your product or service, but not at that moment. Right. And so no amount of educating them and going, you know, you can sort of get on their radar, but they're not really interested until they have that need. And the minute they have that need, now they're really interested. And then you can get into something I call mindset immersion. I've been using this, this egg company, Vital Farms, which has all over their packaging, our chickens are happy chickens and go to the farm and look on the farm and the video. And, you know, you can see the farms where the chickens are running around doing chicken things. <laughs> And they get it. They totally get that what people worry about now with eggs, the mindset is, are they sitting in a cage in a box, you know, a square foot by a square foot, or are they roaming around? So this mindset thing is really turning out to be a big, big concept. And I'm hoping that people get it. I just want to spread it around because it's, it's very necessary. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. And you know, I actually wrote a not a white paper, it was more of a blog post, you know, a couple of years ago when I was still in management consulting, talking about the buyer has all the power, right? So oh, it's yeah. not the power, but it's really thinking about the mind shift and you still hear our sales process, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. you can't yeah. force it and, and companies still try to keep forcing it down that path. And you know what I, I think to that one of the, I used to say that the buyers, their approach and their expectations were changing, right? As digital got stronger, especially in the B2B world, you know, the fact is with, you know, COVID and the pandemic, everybody's been forced to go digital and they're not coming back. So unless your no, company is still hacking its way to try to process it, 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 it is, it's here finally, right? That we've yeah. been saying it's coming. So, and just to go back to what you, you talked a little bit about with, you know, the, the personas, I'm a hundred percent with you. And especially even in the B2B world, they're, they're, you, you talk a lot about they're trying to solve a problem, right? Within the business, you may have multiple, a buyer and a user. At the end of the day, it's still solving that problem and, and being there when they're ready to solve it, not, you know, making a 200 cold calls and getting one person to you, you yeah. hit the timing, right? So yeah. So maybe take us into, like I said, with the, the mindset immersion. I'm really curious as to, to what that is. And then maybe we can get into some more of the specifics of you know, how founders and business owners should start to think about 
transitioning from what they're doing today into kind of your methodology or process to to improve their their conversion rates right yeah there is a process it does work it doesn't matter what you're selling you can follow the process and it's it's something that anyone can do so that's another thing that was a requirement for me if i was going to find a magic bean for marketing <laughs> it had to be had to meet that criteria so going back to the mindset immersion this is exciting to me because again if and when the person is interested in that product or service they're looking for a solution they've decided they're going to spend money on something that solves a problem or meets a need or whatever they don't mind if you go deep i mean this this the egg carton people if you read my blog i've got a blog up about it and it's in a guide that i've written about mindset driven marketing which we've just put on the market yesterday the egg carton is completely illustrated instead of blank sort of boring corporate here's our logo it says jumbo eggs okay big deal it shows the chickens and it talks about happy chickens and pasture fed and they get to roam they get 108 square feet of roaming space <laughs> it's just they go deep and if you've ever seen an engineer research a particular project and I, and by the way it's not just engineers i've i've seen people doing cosmetics or any b2c kind of thing as well once they are interested in that subject you can't give them enough they're just like obsessed with it they they what's the word when you i can't think of it right now but you know when you sit and watch something and you and you gorge yourself on on uh, some netflix series oh or something. binge watching or binging binge watching. thank you very much <laughs> yeah i mean it's like that they can binge on it so you have their full attention and they they they'll just eat up whatever you give them because they're bringing that that high level of interest to the party they're they're already in the game with you and the problem I see a lot of times is people don't feed that, first of all. And secondly, they, they feed them a lot of stuff that doesn't matter to them. So right. again, this very specific mindset, who would think that people buying eggs are most concerned about the treatment of the chickens? It really doesn't have anything to do with the eggs, right? right. It's about the treatment of the chickens. And this company got it. And they just went whole hog everywhere you look they have a way to they even have a little pamphlet inside their egg carton and they they recently it was a little newsletter it was just a little tiny piece of paper but now they've started doing a survey and they say here talk to our farmers tell them what you like about our eggs you know send it in i mean they're mixing digital and non-digital beautifully no, that's, so that's awesome. this is the thing that people are missing. There's an enormous amount of opportunity if you get tuned in with their very specific mindset. Yeah, and I think, so what you're saying is don't focus on features and benefits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really hate features and benefits um, because yes. if you're trying to buy a software product, for example, and you look at the bullet list, it's the exact same bullet list for all the people selling that software product. It doesn't tell you anything. You may as well just be sitting there and going, it, it means nothing. It's a foreign language, it's marketing speak. So yeah. 
showing screens, you know, and saying, letting the person say, what's your concern? What's your biggest issue? Is it this, 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 or this? Okay, we'll show you that. And, uh, you know, a one minute demo. Show me the screen, show me what it's gonna be. What's going to happen to me after I buy is one of the most important questions that people do not answer. And it's most important for B2B, but it's important for B2C too. I mean, when's it gonna show up? And 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 how you know how well is it going to be packaged? Is the chocolate going to be melted when it lands in my delivery box? You know? Right. What's going to happen to me after I buy? Nobody answers that question. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think customer success, if you will, which used to be account management back in my day, is now starting. Companies starting to see the value of that and in investing in it. But I, I think to your point with this whole mindset. You know, it doesn't stop after they, you know, write the check or, you know, yeah. process the the payment. It's, you know, it's how do they feel after the purchase, which is what I really like about your approach is it's not a, hey, great, you got them to buy. We'll worry about them later. It's no, it's we're, we want to keep them, you know, I don't know what's right. We're not deceitful, but, you know, what I bought, what I saw, those chickens running around, but then I turned out and the eggs are terrible or they're super tiny or something <laughs> yeah, right yeah. you didn't deliver yeah. on this story but yeah how should founders kind of think about the post-sale because i think you paint a pretty clear picture on how to think about your product and the problem you're solving with your product and to be there when the customer's there but you know that post-sale journey i think can even have a bigger impact sometimes on the than the pre-sale right well, yeah, because and my my most famous quote is branding is the promise that you make. Your brand is the promise that you keep. Ooh, I like it. And this age that we're living in, the biggest difference of everything aside, the biggest difference with where we are now is that consumers can talk to each other super easily. I mean, it's as close as a keyboard. I can talk to somebody across the world and say, don't buy this. It was a complete ripoff. You know, I mean, this is, you can't hide anymore. You have to do a good job. Right. So the idea that you're sort of sitting in your corporate or even, even in your entrepreneurial, you know, work cave, and you're, you're thinking about all these things and how great this product is and everything. But if you don't take care of customers, after the sale and understand what they want even during the sale, you're just not gonna make it. It's just the, the wave of consumer communication, consumer to consumer is way bigger than any amount of money. I mean, even the biggest guys get hurt by that. Yeah, no, I think that makes so much sense. And one of the sayings I've been using recently and it wasn't for me so whoever if someone's listening didn't want to take credit you know treat your customers like prospects and your prospects like customers right and so if you treat your prospects like customers it's more of a white glove service you're right i'm really here to help you get through this process solve your problem improve whatever you need and then making sure that once you're at customers they understand what you have i was i was actually talking to a a true chief revenue officer of a, a growing company. So she had full responsibility for the, the different revenue, you know, the cross sell, upsell, retention and, and new business. And she's like, you know what, that's probably true because we've got customers that have been with us three or four years, probably don't even know what our full suite of offerings are anymore because we do a good job of taking care of them, but we don't educate and tell the stories like you're, you're talking about up front. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, so important. Got a question for you because one of the the biggest 
challenges that a lot of the B2B founders have. And, you know, what I'm finding, I used to thought it was more of an arbitrary number, but what I'm finding is a lot of founders really good selling into their network, right? The bigger their network, the more their initial round of sales, but where they really struggle is getting beyond the network. So now I've got to reach folks that may not know me, may hopefully have a problem, but they don't know you. So you know, what are, what are some of your recommendations as you're looking beyond your network to, to try to catch people? One, I'm assuming part one's education to let people know who you are, but you may only have one chance at it. So I would love your perspective on, on that challenge. Well, this is where we come back to the, to the mindset thing again. <laughs> the questions that people ask when they first come to us for help is they're all, they're all talking about channels. You know, they're talking about, well, should should I do social? Should I do content? Should I do advertising? And the answers are definitely, you know, it's, it's something that you figure out with the client as you go. You, first thing I do, absolutely first thing I do, and this is true of when I was a revenue coach and, and now with the agency, I interview some of their customers. It's the first thing I do. I have to do that. Even when I used to do marketing and sales turnarounds, the first thing I did for two weeks before I started the job, I would interview customers because I knew as soon as I got into the company, I'd be overwhelmed with 200 emails a day and, you know, <laughs> yeah. going back to the hotel at 11 o'clock at night. So you have to take time to do this. And again, in my book, chapter three, I absolutely reveal all of my secrets to getting them on the phone. You send them an email, you introduce yourself, you tell them it'll be anonymous. You speak to them for about 30 minutes, typically. It used to be an hour, but now it's pretty much 30 minutes. And you ask them open-ended questions. And again, I spell out the questions that I worked out over thousands of interviews that get you the kind of data that you want. And uh, it's just, they're basic questions. Like, how do you feel about our product or service? What was your buying process? What, what mattered to you? What was your mindset? You know, that's new now. I, I didn't have that in the book, but I'm also finding that I didn't even need that. I'm, I'm testing whether I do better with an interview, whether I ask the mindset question or not, doesn't matter. If you say, what was your experience and what was your buying process and what you had in mind, what problem you were trying to solve? I also ask questions like, what trends do you see in your market right now or your industry or in this area? What's your biggest challenge? Was the price fair? If you were the CEO of this company tomorrow, what's the first thing you would fix? Because now they know the company and they have, they've seen some things. And the answers to these questions absolutely open the minds of the people running the company. I mean, it's like Gatorade on your head after a football game, where it's just like an immediate, I could have had a V8 moment, you know, just, oh my God, I had no idea that that's what people were thinking. So suddenly you are now in tune with the mindset of the customer. And by the way, for startups, you can call people who might buy your product or service and get as close as you can. But honestly, it only takes five to seven customers to get real bankable data. Right. Certain customers of a certain type. So let's say you've got purchasing agents and a CEO and a, a specifier. So you need to speak to each one of those types. But five to seven people of a given type will give you bankable data. So then you go out, you, you gather all of this. I end up doing a report where I actually transcribe all the conversations and break the, com the conversations into here are all the answers to that question. So the people in the room, the managers get 
that's what everybody said. Oh my goodness. And then I do a summary and recommendations report. And again, I spell all this out in the book. Anybody can do this. This is, you know, you don't have to hire me to make this happen. You can do it yourself. So you get this information, only takes a couple of weeks. You can wait that long to get this right. And then, then you're going to find out from them where they go to buy this type of product. I even asked them, if you, if you were looking for this in Google, what would you type in? So now we have an idea of, of what they would type into Google. Uh, you have to do a lot more research for SEO to work, but, but right. that's a good start. Armed with that information, now you can say, okay, they would be looking for us in these channels, so that's where we need to be. The messages that you will be talking about, the mindset is going to be the thing that makes that channel work for you. I mean, we've taken clients who have been in channels and have not succeeded. And they come to us and say, oh, yeah, I tried that. Didn't work. <laughs> well, okay, the message was wrong. Right. You know, you were thumping your chest and saying how great we are and limited only by your imagination and all the stuff that people say. And you change that to, this is your issue. And by the way, the formula is the mindset. You identify it, figure it out. Then you make an offer that appeals to the mindset. And then that leads to a win-win because now they get what they want and you get what you want. You make a sale, they get a solution to their problem. The mindset and the offer have to match and it's always very specific. If you guess, you will lose. Yeah. Absolutely 100%. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Yeah, I think you know my super simplistic approach is what problem are we solving? How do you solve it? How do you solve it differently than your competition? And, and can you prove it? And the post-purchase, right? We all, the long-running analogy is you know, buying a car. You bought a car and you've got buyer's remorse. You know, I think at this your your mindset ties in perfectly. Somebody's now actually pulled the trigger. You know, how do you make them continue to feel good about that purchase? And I think it comes back to treating them, you know, the mindset of the customer versus, you know, kind of what historically in the B two B world has been, you know, hand handshakes, right? <laughs> so it could be legion to a sales team to an onboarding to customer success and. You know, I've done some interviews in the past where we got the feedback, man, it felt like we were working with four different companies. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> knew what the other person was talking yeah. about. And you buy, and you used to be able to get away with that. I am sure you're saying you're, you can't get away with that anymore, especially if somebody in the industry's taken this customer first approach to it. So part of the next question is from a organizational standpoint, right? So if you're flipping around and looking at it from the buyer's perspective, the traditional B2B org has marketing, sales, all the, the handoffs I just mentioned. Are you starting to see organizations redefining kind of what the, the people and process looks like to support a yeah, buying but process, it's, it's, right? It's disgustingly slow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really slow. Sales, you know, cold calling, making a million cold calls, that whole process hasn't been working for a long time no. from a customer perspective. As buyers, we don't like getting cold calls. We do everything we can to avoid them. We don't like commercials because they don't address our mindset. You know, I mean, it... The, the customer side of us, the customer inside of us knows perfectly well that stuff doesn't work. 
but as sellers, we keep trying it because we, it makes so much sense. We'll, 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 you know, somehow or another, we'll get through to somebody and we'll, so that's broken. Marketing and sales should not be separate. 100%. I, I think that if, you know, what we should have is a chief revenue officer who, as you mentioned before, who all they care about is how can we bring money into the company? And by doing that, you know, what we're really doing is making sure that customers are happy. So I, in my company, we have client success managers. That's who the people are that work with customers all day long with our clients. So you have people who answer the phones when the lead comes in or the email or the chat or whatever it is, and they are more customer service types. I have a client who uh, is a logistics guy and he's taken over marketing and now finally taken over sales and they're just going through the, the roof. And he's so smart and he's such a student of management. I love the guy, I love working with him. He's so logical. And he's put, they had a couple of salespeople. The salespeople aren't there anymore. And they are just, they have a couple of customer service people who understand the product really well. And they're answering the customer's questions when they call in. That's all we want. If we call somebody, we just have questions. We, we want them to answer our questions. Why is that so hard? Uh, it's great, novel approach, right? It's a, such a great <laughs> question, man. It's, yeah. you know, we've been, I think we've had in the debate about sales and marketing, you know, not getting along for 20 it years. It's I mean, just give it up. It's, it's a civil war. It's dogs and cats. It's been the same for decades and it's just stupid. It it's really work. stupid. It's time to just drop the whole thing and look at this holistically from the customer's perspective. Yeah. They have a need. We have a solution. They have questions. We need to answer them to their satisfaction. And then they'll buy from us. They don't want to keep hunting. If they find their solution, they'll be happy to buy from us. Nobody just wants to go around hunting all day long. Forever, right? You know, I mean, you really want to just get on Google or talk to a couple of people. If it's a reference kind of thing, you know, it's deep and you have it's complex and you get references and then you just want to buy it. You just want to solve the problem. Right. A hundred, hundred percent. And yes, folks, it is that simple. <laughs> She's not making it up. I mean, make, no, people make true. this way too hard. And yeah, you know, one of my, my favorite examples recently was, you know, Microsoft returned, I haven't looked recently to see if they're still the largest company, but you know, they took over that position. And one of the things that drove their transformation was they reorganized their sales force and basically, when I read the case study, basically what they did was promoted quite a few, maybe not promoted, moved a lot of their sales engineers that were good customer-facing sales engineers into those sales roles because they found the customers, to your point, <laughs> just wanted their questions answered. And the sales engineers were the best people to answer those questions and help them think about how to, to solve that problem. And, you know, amazingly, they're, it, it paid off. So... You know, large, small, it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're absolutely spot on in the fact of don't make this more difficult than it needs to be, right? Yeah, so. and don't sell me. I mean, people are, yes. oh, so over being sold because they've been sold and then they regretted it. To your point about, you know, buyer's remorse. And this is, you keep coming back to B&B. &B, and I will say that when I was doing um, turnarounds for large corporations, and here I am this absolutely serial entrepreneur going into these big corporate environments. I mean, IBM, Dow Jones, you know, big companies. And the first thing I noticed 
is that when you show up, you get this little whiteboard. It's a little invisible whiteboard that's hung around your neck. And every time you make a mistake, you get a black mark on your whiteboard. And they are not erasable. They never go away. So if you get a lot of black marks on your whiteboard, nobody even pays attention to you in meetings anymore. I mean, there are people in meetings where they'll say something, make a recommendation, and it might even be a good one. And everybody in the room goes, oh, yeah, that's no, Bob. You know, yeah. So they, the whole idea behind corporate sales, and I, I'm not the only one that's figured this out. I've been starting to see people start to realize it, is avoidance of corporate embarrassment. They do not want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be the guy that got that big software program, end up costing us $100,000 and took 18 months because he didn't know what he was doing and he made a big mistake. Don't want to go there, you know? Right. So they're just avoiding that and selling them makes them immediately put their hackles up and say, uh-oh, they're going to try to talk me into something that I might regret. But if you're talking to a sales engineer who just answers your questions, keeps talking with you, doesn't ever stop to make a pitch, doesn't try to close the sale, just answer your questions, you'll talk yourself into it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer. And um, I know we're starting to get a little bit short on time before I ask you my, my final couple of questions. I would highly encourage the audience to go check out one of your websites. It's got a lot of really good content. You can download the new guide that you talked about, Mindset Marketing. There's also links to your book, which I would highly encourage people to check out. You were a pioneer in thinking. I mean, you wrote the book came out of a few years ago, but you it were came well out in 2011, and yeah. I just proofed it all when I had an Audible version done, and I wrote it so it would be, you know, a long-lasting, evergreen kind of thing. And it is. It's still a. It's still appropriate, and now it's the way you get to mindset-driven marketing. Which is, which is fantastic. So check it out. I'll put links in, in, in the show notes for everybody to get there. So before I ask you my final question, what's, what's next for you and the team? I know mindset marketing is at the core right now. What's, what's on the horizon? Well, we're just excited about this because it's working so well. I mean, as I said, we've, before we actually went public with it, we've tested it. And even for one client who was in the travel industry and she's going through the roof, she's getting over... I thought it was 100 leads a month, but it's 200 leads a month. And this is just a small business, you know, that does luxury cruises around the world. And you would think she would really be hurting. Yeah. But we figured out one specific thing that we could say to people. And I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to, you know, it's her. Fair enough. Yep. 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 <laughs> but it just went, you know, it was just amazing. So we're sticking with this for a while. This is big. And I really, again, I want everybody to do this because marketing would start to work. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I, again, <laughs> fundamentals, right? I mean, you were ahead yeah. of the, the revenue curve and you know, we went from sales ops, to revenue ops, but yet it still needs to be back aligning with the buyer and, and good things are going to happen if you do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So awesome. All right. So last, last question, which I ask everybody, what is one thing you would highly recommend to folks. It could be personal or professional. What's one thing that's you know top of mind for you right now? Yeah, one of the things I've noticed is everybody's getting all stressed out. You know, this this is so, and I don't even bother with stress. My husband and I have this thing, which is find it, face it, fix it, and you know, you just keep finding it, facing it, fixing it over and over again. And if, it, if fixing it doesn't work after you try twenty times, well, then you eff it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, 
you know, it's just, you just go on with it. You just do the next right thing. As my husband always says, it's, it's like, you know, if it's, if it's bad, if it's stressful, okay, just figure out what needs to be done and do it. I don't think we all need to be so, so riled up and, and upset about everything. It's life is hard. Okay. Yep. Got that. You know, just go for it. It's okay. Yeah. Well, that's the main thing. And, and this goes back to how simple this is. As you said, this is so simple. This is human nature. It's people. And if we think like buyers, we say, oh yeah, okay, that's right. I get it. So as sellers, we need to think like buyers. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. And quit selling, right? Yeah. You're you're (laughs) problem solvers and you have a solution that solves their problem. And yeah, you know, I love it because one of the things along the lines you said, you know, find it, fix it was, you know, if you, if you can't change it, don't worry about it. I know yeah. that's hard yeah. for some folks, but yeah. man, if it, there's nothing you can do, move on because yeah. there are things you can fix. So absolutely. hundred percent. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we may have to bring you back on another six to 12 months because I do think this is such an important topic and can make it such a big difference, especially in, you know, it's going to give be a competitive advantage for startups and growing businesses taking on legacy because some of these bigger companies are going to have a really, really hard time. <laughs> they ch- don't get it. Changing it. Right. And they're not no, going that's to. Right. So, that's right. so really appreciate your time. And one last thing is what's the best place for, for people to find you if they want to learn more about you, the company. You can just uh, go to Google and type in Kristen Zhivago. That's one way, but uh, our site is zhivagopartners.com. It's Z-H-I, Zhivago, like Dr. Zhivago. So that's where you can find everything about me and the book and the guide and all that stuff. Yeah. And like I mentioned, there's a lot of really good content. Kristen, you've also been on a number of other podcasts that you've got links to those. So a wealth of information, highly encourage you guys to go check this out. And like I said, we'll bring her back on here and, you know, not too distant future to make sure people are following up with, (laughs) with this approach. So Kristen, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. Hopefully you enjoy the summer months out there in the new New England area and we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Have a good day. You too.